evidence and answers. At 17 years old, Micah was taking his first course in college, biology. His professor stated that most Christians abandon their Christian faith after taking his biology class. However, instead of shattering his faith, Micah's faith was strengthened by the challenges raised in this class against his Christian faith. You're tuned to Evidence and Answers radio broadcast with your host, Pat Zukran. Pat is an author, teacher, and international speaker in the area of Christian apologetics, the defense of the Christian faith. Today, Pat and his guest, Micah Rogers, will discuss how we can prepare our students for the challenges of the university campus. Now, here's Pat. You're listening to Evidence and Answers, where we provide compelling evidence for faith and hope in Christ and biblical answers to the issues and challenges of today. Well, we've got a great show for you today. I'm with my buddy here, Michael Rogers. Michael Rogers is a 17-year-old Christian student. He's homeschooled at the Saddleback Christian Academy and has advanced from most of his high school classes now. And now, as a 17-year-old, is taking several classes at the local community college there in Orange County at the Irvine Community College. I thought it'd be great if Micah could come on the air and share his experience with you all in the collegiate classroom because he has some very common experiences to share, but a unique way in which he has approached his studies, which I thought be encouraging for many believers in Christ to hear. We know these statistics out there. Surveys show that an average of 80% of students who profess faith in Christ abandon their faith after four years of college. A lot of it has to do that they walk into the collegiate arena completely unprepared to face the intellectual and academic challenges of the university campus. And the arguments and ideas that are presented seem to counter their faith in Christ. The evidence seems overwhelmingly powerful against their faith, and many walk away from their faith in Christ. So. Micah here at 17 years old, already taking the college courses, has some experiences to share that I think are going to encourage you as students, but also as his parents as well. So, Micah, welcome to Evidence and Answers. Thanks for having me. Yes, I think we've had your brother and your mother and your father on the show, so now it's you. Yeah, tens of years ago. Well, Micah, tell us about your background a little bit, just how you came to faith in Christ and a little about yourself so that we can get a little bit of your background and who you are. All right. As you said earlier, I am 17 years old. Well, 18 now, I guess. But I came to faith at a Christian camp. I think it's pretty well known, sort of. It's called Mount Hermon. And I attend Mount Hermon regularly. But it was two years ago where I really made my commitment and relationship to Jesus my own and really committed to it then two years ago. Okay, Micah, that's great uh, to learn a little bit about your background, how you really made a serious commitment to faith in Christ two years ago as a high school student. And tell me, how did you learn about apologetics and the Christian worldview? Well, I think it was about five years ago where my homeschool started offering classes about apologetics. And the first class in like the whole battery of modules was called Introduction to Worldviews. And eighth grade then, I had no idea what I was getting into. But it was a very enlightening class because it was just very basic going over all of like the Christian worldview, what it means, like everybody has a worldview, that sort of thing. So it was an introduction to worldviews. And then the next year, 
was an introduction to apologetics. And that's where we learned about evidence for Christ or different archaeological discoveries for it. And then the year after that was, I took a class called Understanding the Culture. And this class was like an exposure class to different worldviews that the culture could have. And the next class after that was Understanding the Times. And that was a more in-depth class and thinking about all of like the reasonings and evidence behind other worldviews. And then the last class was Understanding the Faith, which was a very in-depth class about Christianity and the evidence that supported Christianity. You know, a lot of students that grow up in Christian homes or attend Christian schools don't see the importance of apologetics until they're really confronted with the challenges when they go off to the university campus. And sometimes it's a little too late or some of them end up realizing, oh, that's why I studied this thing and shoot us an email saying, now, what was that you were talking about back when we were in high school? So tell us, why is learning apologetics important for every student? I'll give you two answers. The first one is one way that you could like demonstrate its importance, like when you're learning about it, is in my apologetics class, we actually had a outreach assignment where we were required to go talk to someone or call somebody up that we knew who was like had questions about Christianity and try to answer them based off the information that we had from the class. The second one, why is it important to learn apologetics? I think James talked about always being ready to have an answer or being able to defend your faith in some way or form, not physically, but it helps to know what your faith is and why your faith is that way in order to defend attacks against it. Yeah, that's great. That's the first Peter three fifteen, a verse that oh, is yes. key verse for those of us in the arena of apologetics. But yes, the Bible commands it and our faith is constantly challenged and its credibility is often attacked as you mentioned. And often if we're going to engage a post-Christian culture now. It is often not enough just to present the gospel. You're going to have to present some compelling reasons why people should take your faith seriously. So that's great, Micah. Now, you recently took a biology class at the college that you're attending. Tell us a little bit about the class. What was the worldview and the philosophy that was being presented? All right. So there were two biology classes both taught by the same professor. And the first semester was a lecture class, and the second one was a lab class. And so in the first semester, we were just doing like the normal lecture part of it, and just like the basic parts of biology. And then we got into the part of the study where we started talking about the biological purpose of life. And right when my professor started that lecture, he didn't know anything about me. But he said, now I know some of my students have certain beliefs that they hold to. And I'm not trying to persuade you or anything, but I'm just trying to teach you for an educational experience about what I believe. And then he just started off like that and then went off about evolution or like, I guess, generic evolution. And then he talked about the biological purpose of life, which is to pass on your genes to the next generation. And so when he told me that, I I said, that seems like a sad purpose of life (laughs) like that's it and then anyways he said before this is this is my professor's words he said before you 
are able to debate with someone, talk with someone, have a constructive conversation with someone. You both have to understand what each other are talking about. And so after some small conversation with my professor, I came to the conclusion that he told me that he is a very strict evolutionary biologist. And he is like, that's what his PhD is from. And that's what he is and what he studies and what he, I guess, believes in to be true for him. Yeah. And what were some of the challenges you saw right off the bat from what he was presenting that presented some challenges to your faith in Christ? So there were some things that were foreseeable and some things that I've never heard of before. And the things that I'd never heard of before, I was like, this is pretty fascinating. And I could tell why it's wrong. And the second run, one that I thought was that I could see coming, it was very helpful to be prepared for. So he asked me a couple questions and I asked him a couple questions and it went well. However, I did feel prepared to engage with him. One thing that was very helpful, he said, the professor is very interested in pursuing the truth. If I can prove that Christianity is true, he would consider it. And one thing that did shock me a lot was that he was very extremely well-read in the Bible. Like he can quote scriptures from the Old Testament, which was very shocking to me. Yeah, so he seemed quite open. Perhaps maybe he did grow up in church or something. So he might be relatively familiar with the teachings of the Bible. I think so. All right. Well, tell us what were some of the major ideas that was being presented and how were they presented in class? Yeah. So like I said earlier, he said, you just have to learn about these things, not believe in them. And so one of the things, like I said earlier, was the biological purpose of life. That was one idea presented. Another one was like fitness or another another one was macrobiology or macroevolution and microevolution. And those were, I guess, very easy to learn about because we were like in my apologetics classes, we talked about them earlier. And the funny interesting experience that my professor had us do was just write a small paper about our opinion on evolution and see where his class was in terms of what they believed or not. And in my paper, I tried to say how wrong evolution was as much as possible, (laughs) but I don't think it was the right move. (laughs) But he made us write a paper on our opinions about evolution, and it sort of opened up a whole new world in the class. Oh, so what were some of the things that you presented in your paper there? Okay, so my paper revolved around my thesis statement or a question. It was, can Christianity and evolution exist together? And so the main idea of my paper said that macroevolution, meaning a change from a species to another species, is possible. Obviously, that's not true because there's no evidence for that. Nobody has been around long enough to see a change from species to another species. And the other part of evolution, microevolution, I said that is possible that it can coexist with Christianity's beliefs because it's just genetic changes over time. For example, mutations. And so in my paper, I said, I think it's possible for microevolution and Christianity to exist. However, evolution in whole is not good enough to be a worldview 
because it can't answer all of the big boy questions. Yes. For those of you who are listening, who may be wondering about those terms, microevolution refers to changes within a species. You know, different types of dogs is an example of microevolution. Different types of birds is a type of microevolution. Macroevolution that Micah mentioned is adding new body parts and organs to make what we call macroevolutionary changes, changes above the species level to produce another type of species. Okay? So that's macroevolution. And we all agree, as Micah said, that microevolution occurs, change within species. What Darwin's theory has to prove is that through the natural process of natural selection and genetic modification or mutations, you can produce macroevolutionary change. You can produce, go from one species producing new body parts and organs and body designs to creating a different type of species, which the fossil record and scientific experiments have shown is, has not been, the evidence is not there as what Micah is saying. So Micah, you pointed out micro and macro evolution that we agree on microevolution, but macro lacks the evidence. Uh, and for those of you listening to Evidence and Answers, you want more on this, listen to my interviews with Dr. Jonathan Wells and Fazali Rana and myself on Darwin's theory. Okay. All right, Micah, what else did you present in your paper there? That was pretty much, but like I said earlier, opened up a whole new world with my interaction with my professor. Because after I wrote that paper, each week he would ask me to stay after class to have a discussion with me. And I think it was a very productive time. Yeah, he seems like a pretty open guy. And I like those kinds of professors, you know, where we may disagree, but we can have great discussions. The openly hostile ones are kind of difficult to deal with. But the mm -hmm. ones like what you're discussing, who seem kind of open and willing to discuss things, I kind of enjoy those professors. So tell us about your interaction with your professor there uh, over the ideas and the kind of interaction that you had. All right. So number one, what is he like? Well, he is sort of your opposite of a jolly good fellow. He is your typical like science man. And he, science is his life. And if you say like something's wrong about it, he will be very defensive about it. And he likes to speak very slow and methodically, not like fast and attackively. And so talking with him was certainly, I think for me, very hard because I think I like to talk fast, but he would always talk super slow and be very thought out about it. And so my interaction with him happened weekly. And actually we met twice a week, so it happened twice a week. And each time we would talk certain aspects of evolution or Christianity that we would be on our mind that day. And so, for example, one week we talked about morality in nature, and then the next week we would talk about how come the Bible is true. And we could just rotate on like different topics. And throughout the week, I would be going back to my class because I would say keep attending the faith that week or those weeks. I would go back to my class and be like, hey guys, I have this professor that's talking about this. You want to help me with it? <laughs> and so each week we rotate on like different apologetic topics about Christianity and evolution and figuring out on a mutual pursuit of the truth and figuring out which one is really ideal and which one is true. Yes. And sounds like you covered just a wide range of topics. Now you're a 17 year old boy 
talking to someone with a PhD, I assume it was quite intimidating at first, but yeah. tell us about that interaction there. I mean, were you completely overwhelmed by the arguments and blown out of the water or just tell us about that. Did you feel you understood his arguments and were prepared to answer or you were completely overmatched or just tell us about that. So in terms of like matching and how, how I did, I think I was just slightly below him in terms of his knowledge because he spent years studying. He told me that he wanted to find out what was true. And that's why he studied evolution because he came, he found that to be true in his life. And so that's why he has a PhD and everything. I'm just a kid. <laughs> I don't have a PhD. And so the first time I talked with him, it was very intimidating because he first presented that same statistic that you did at the beginning, that like 80% of all people who enter college who express their faith will walk away from it. And what he told me was that Yes, almost all of the kids in my class who tell me that they have some faith will walk away from their faith after my class. And then my response to that was I said, well, I would walk away too if I didn't think it was true. And so I think that very first statement sort of started off my stubbornness as well in the Christianity faith. And it caught him off guard because he wasn't expecting someone so driven in their faith because none of i guess none of his students had that same drive as before oh that's interesting that he knew that statistic that 80 percent of professing christians abandoned their faith and he talked a lot about how it was connected with buying in to darwin's theory and that's one of the things i keep saying in you know my seminars that if you buy-in totally to Darwin's theory, it can have a corrosive effect upon your faith. So you guys covered a whole bunch of issues, it sounds like. And as you are discussing with him, of course, none of us are going to know as much as our professor. So it must have been intimidating. But did your confidence grow as you continued to dialogue and began to understand his arguments and research things about your Christian faith? Or did you find yourself being shaken and begin to really start doubting your faith? Which way did it go for you? Let's see. So in the beginning, whenever it was like my turn to ask him questions, it was kind of a struggle to figure out what the good questions were to ask because in our discussions with our teacher in my apologetics class, like she already knew like what good questions to ask, what what the answers were, and sort of how to combat. But when it was just me and the professor, it sort of got a little bit intimidating because I was like, you know, I don't have this like backup, I guess, case of evidence that I have. It's just me. And so when it was my turn to ask him questions, it was hard to find out, like I said earlier, what questions to ask. But when it was his turn to ask me questions, they were all the basic questions that you, ever, you, all, you always learn in all of your apologetics classes. Like, Micah, can you give me evidence for the resurrection of Jesus? Or it was, how can the Bible be trusted if it's been translated so many times? Like, I took a speech and debate competition, and one of the categories for speech is apologetics. And in that category, there are lots of questions that someone could ask you in your speech round. And that is one of them. 
And over time, it just becomes like a generic question that everybody knows the answer to. But when someone asks that question in like hopes of figuring out like the real nitty gritty of why it's true, then it sort of like changes your entire perspective when that question actually is relied upon. When every, every time he would ask a question, it was extremely, I guess, easy to answer because I had already thought about the answer for a long time. Yeah, I think that's a key right there that you mentioned. A lot of the attacks that come upon Christianity from my atheist professor colleagues and others, I find quite easy to answer. It's either misunderstandings of biblical passages, attacking Christianity as anti-women or a hateful kind of religion, and they've really misunderstood the passages, or that they really hadn't read the Bible. I mean, they, they know bits and pieces here, but once you explain the context, you realize they've misunderstood the passage, or they just don't know the evidences that are there, the archaeological discoveries that confirm the Bible, the record of prophecy, and how science and the Bible actually go together very nicely, and they've just never heard that. And so, like you stated, I don't find a lot of their objections very difficult. And that's been my experience, and it seems like that was your experience uh, as well. If you've got a basic understanding of apologetics and the Christian worldview, you're well-equipped to take on almost any challenge that would come from almost anybody there on the university campus, including those well-scholared and studied professors. I think one of the biggest day where we had the biggest discussion was when we discussed, I guess, the apologetics words for it would be the problem of evil. And that one is you have to be careful about that question because oftentimes it's not fueled by a sort of debate point, but rather a why has this happened to me sort of question. And that day was you have to be super careful about that because there's lots of emotion that drives that question. Yeah, so tell us a little bit about how that discussion went on God and the problem <laughs> of evil because that tends to be the biggest or most popular argument atheists present against Christianity. Almost all of atheists that I've had a discussion with, I would say 99% bring up that problem, God and problem of evil. And that's their main argument against Christianity. So tell us a little bit of how that discussion went. Yeah. So one helpful tip that I learned from this apologetics conference I went to, will you always ask the question, why that question? whenever someone asks any question to you. And so you always say, why that question? Because oftentimes there's lots of emotion that is held behind that question. And so one example is this apologist went to like this hair salon and he had just finished all of his like finals for his apologetics classes. And he was like ready to take any question that anybody gave to him. And so his hair salon person was like oh i have a question for you and then it was like why is there evil and suffering in this world and this apologist just finishing finals was like oh my gosh i'm so ready for this question and so he gave like the whole battery boom c.s lewis says you can't know evil without good and because there's good there has to be a god and so i guess after he like went on and on about that after his haircut he looked like behind him and his person was crying and he was like why are you crying she said 
I didn't ask that question to know why. I asked that question to know, like, because my grandpa just died. And so oftentimes, it's more an emotional question than a logical one. And so I had to be very wary of that whenever, when, when we first started talking about it. So back in the room with my professor, he asked me that question. And the very first thing I said was, why that question? And he says, well, I think it's a very big question in the world of apologetics. And it's what has puzzled me for a long time. out of time. Thank you for joining us here on Evidence and Answers radio broadcast. We hope you enjoyed today's show. You'll find we have a wide variety of different topics that will make for an incredible conference series. So if you would like Pat to speak at your church, your Bible study, or even schedule an apologetics conference at your church or location, give him a call in Hawaii. That number is 483-0586. Or you may contact him through the Evidence and Answers website. That's evidenceandanswers.org. Be sure to use our search engine for available resources, everything from atheism to Zen Buddhism, including articles and additional audio for you to listen to or download. Be sure to share our website with those around you. To keep quality broadcast like Pat's on the air, we rely on generous support from you, our listeners. For the opportunity to donate, head on over to our website. Once again, that's evidenceandanswers.org, and you may do so right there online. Evidence and Answers would like to thank one of our sponsors, the Honolulu Christian Church. If you don't have a home church and are looking for a great place to connect and grow in Christ, check out the Honolulu Christian Church. For service times, log on at honoluluchristian.org. Join us again next time on the air or online as we provide compelling reasons for faith in Christ. That's Evidence and Answers with Pat Zucharan. Evidence and Answers.